I wanted to just share some thoughts from Psalm 5 in the, the brief time that we have, uh, a brief psalm. And uh, when I think of this psalm, and, and again, I know that we have an international audience, and so I hope that this example makes sense. But uh, in, in America here, when you come to an intersection, um, you know, say a four-way stop, as we call them in the U.S., generally those intersections are very, very symmetrical. And um, that, that helps with, you know, understanding when it's your turn to go. Uh, but I, when we lived in Illinois, there was this one particular intersection that was not symmetrical. Um, and there was just this awkward distance between the, it wasn't even four corners, but it was four different traffic places coming to a stop. And, and so what I found there is you always came to that intersection, no matter what direction you were coming to it from, and you felt like, should I go or should I stop? And you felt like the people around the intersection were thinking like, um, why aren't you going? Why, why, you know, there was irritation, there was frustration, there was, um, what should we do? And as I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's a lot like life. You know, we come to these intersections of life and unfortunately, they're not as as square as we would like them to be um and it's also a lot like prayer i think you know there are times where i think in life we we don't know how to pray um we don't know whether we can pray and i thought and actually that particular intersection uh, because of the struggles there uh, apparently, the, the civil authorities are, are making that intersection more of a roundabout than an intersection. And I thought, you know, as it pertains to prayer, that really should be more what our prayer lives are like, is a roundabout. It never stops. We're just continually going through life, having a conversation with the Lord. And um, Psalm 5, I think, speaks to this. Um, so I just wanted to go through it and, and talk about five things that I think prayer should be in our lives. And um, I love how Derek Kidner opens or, or kind of summarizes this song. He says this, King David directs his cry for help to the Lord, his king and his God. This gives the prayer a firm foundation and puts David's own kingship in its right perspective. He accepts that he is a man under authority, not one who must struggle for his own ends by his own means. And I love that prayer does that to kings. It does that to peasants. That it reminds us that um, we must not struggle for our own ends by our own means. That we need God. So as I look at this psalm, the first thing I see is very simply that prayer is communication. Uh, what is prayer? It's communing with God. It's not the soul speaking within itself. It's not the mapping out of the most inner, the innermost contours of our hearts. It's prayer has a recipient. We are talking to God. And the first three verses, give ear to my words, O Lord, consider my meditation or, or my groaning is a, another way you could translate that. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice Shall thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, 
and I will look up. And so uh, while David is communicating with God in prayer, and I think that we should do the same thing, we should, God is, is listening and we are talking to him and sharing our hearts with him. And yet we should come prepared. Um, you, you see here th that this, this is tied to the morning sacrifice. And, and so uh, while, while there is this sense in which prayer is, is, is a wonderful thing that we can access God at any time, I think there is also an important aspect of preparing our hearts continually as we we treasure the presence of God. Um, the second thing I appreciate about this is that it seems as though David views prayer as something that is very important. Um, not that praying in the morning is is any magic thing, but there's some sense of regularity, some sense that this is a priority in his schedule. And then Perhaps the thing that is, is most meaningful to me in this first section is that uh, his, his attitude is one of expectancy. Um, I will look up. Uh, another way you could say it is I will watch. In other words, we, on the worst of our days, we can go to God in prayer and we can pour out our hearts and then we can just sit back and watch what God will do. And, and we know from experience that, that we serve a God who hears and answers prayer. And so we communicate to God. Secondly, it, it's contemplation, if you will, verses four through six. For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing or, or deceit. Um, the Lord will abhor the bloody and deceitful man. Um, contemplating. Um, it's been said that the chief matter of prayer is the adoration of God. And he is transitioning here to remind himself of who God is. Uh, he's praising him for his holiness. You are not a God that has pleasure in wickedness. He's holy. Um, he, he recognizes that God hates sin. And uh, he, he also, though, recognizes um, that, that we, we serve a God of grace. And so even in God's in, incomparable holiness and in his perfect justice, his hatred of sin, we know that he is indeed a God of grace. So we contemplate who God is. We communicate to him. Thirdly, we, we confess. Prayer is confession. And uh, the psalmist here moves to a more personal, um, introspective tone in verse 7. But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy or steadfast love. And in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy Simple. Uh, this is, you know, you could almost say this is a section here that reminds us it's, it's like the gospel according to Psalm 5, that, that I come in, the reason I can come into the presence of God is not because of any of my own merit, it's because of God's mercy, his covenant love wrapped up in the work of his son as we look back to the cross. And I uh, 
come and I worship in this holy place. But this does remind us that, yes, there's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot of wickedness out there, so to speak. But we need to deal with our own sin. And we realize that because of God's mercy, we can come into his presence. And therefore, we pray in the name of Jesus. Fourthly, prayer is consecration. Verse 8, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. Make thy way straight before my face, for there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is very wickedness. Their throat is an open sepulcher. They flatter with their tongue. Destroy thou them, O God. Lest them, let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against thee. Now, it's easy to look at that section and see that it's almost as if he's praying an imprecatory prayer. But I love the way he begins that section. He says, lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness. And so I think it's good for us to, as we look around again in our world, and we can become frustrated and, and even discouraged with the wickedness that we see, that we never forget that we need God to lead us in his righteousness. Um, that, that he makes our way straight before his face, that we be concerned with our own consecration to our holy God. And then finally, prayer is contentment. Um, verses 11 through 12. Uh, again, it is one of the beauties of the Psalms is how quickly they go through all of the human emotions, it seems. And he ends in a very good place here, verse 11, but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout or sing for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee, for thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. And so... We start, we, we communicate, we pour out our souls to God, and then we contemplate who he is, and then we confess our sins and our need of him and realize that it is his mercy that allows us into his presence. And then we pray that we would be consecrated in the midst of a lost and wicked world, and then we rest in the presence of God. We trust. We trust that he will defend us that his favor will surround us as a shield. And in doing so, we can have great peace in prayer. And so I trust that God will continue to use prayer in all of our lives for his glory and for our peace.